It's Christmas time! <gasps> Whoa, that was intense. I wasn't hoping for that. But it is time to begin the Advent series. And this is kind of like the thing that I anticipate yeah. the entire year. I get excited for Advent. Yeah. And so it's here. The topic is peace. Peace. And yes. the sermon that you're about to hear, I, um, the first time I heard it, so I bawled. I did too. It is, it is beautiful. It's poetic. Yep. It's deep. It's yep. so so. Please get comfortable yeah. and just um, give the opportunity f- to just hear it yeah. and be calm and peaceful. Yeah. And here we go. Hello, my name is Mariana. If we haven't met, I'm part of the communications and digital teams here at Christ Community, and I'm also part of the teaching team. And I have the honor to bring this message to you today that I'm very excited about. So we have officially entered Christmas season, and Christmas season is an interesting one because it seems to be the only time of the year that it's apparently acceptable to be singing songs about Jesus. Everywhere that you go, the Christmas carols are playing around and this message of of the love of God and the story of the gospel and the coming of the Messiah is just out there and everyone is singing it. And today we're starting this new teaching series called The Carols of Advent. And we're going to spend the next four weeks leading up to Christmas uh, talking through through all these theme, themes of Advent, peace, love, hope, and joy. And we're going to focus on a different carol that proclaims that truth. And honestly, at least for me, I'm very hopeful that this will bring a fresh life to these songs that, you know, we sing so much and we kind of become numb to them, uh, understandably so. And maybe this will inspire you to maybe go around caroling, who knows? But either way, these are incredible uh, uh, opportunities for us to reflect on these songs and, and experience them for ourselves and declare them to the world in this season. So as far as carols go, I have a friend who hates Silent Night. And every year when we start playing Christmas songs, it's just so funny because she starts talking about how boring Silent Night is. Like, please skip Silent Night, you know, because here we are listening to all the the happy festive songs celebrating the coming of Jesus and then comes silent night you know and it just kills the mood it changes the vibe completely and that the festive air you know is is disturbed it dramatically interrupts what's going on and starts rocking you to sleep i i honestly secretly agree with her because I feel like Silent Night is like a lullaby, you know, it's like sleep in peace and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So I don't like it very much. So that's what we're going to talk about today because peace is such a big topic. The world is in chaos. Everyone is exhausted. And Silent Night truly is the opposite of the reality that where we're, where we're at. Silent Night is not the beat of our drum. It is not the rhythm to which we're dancing. It's not like life is just not silence. All is not calm. And virtually, no one is sleeping in heavenly peace. Burnout is the new epidemic. And this frenetic pace is causing this increasing exhaustion in the world and a huge disconnect in our relationships. I want to share with you a little bit of my own journey and something that I'm currently experiencing in my life. For the past a uh, few months, little by little, uh, things started to get, you know, a little busier, a little crazy. And I just started to feel more like I 
I didn't have time for all those things that, and it felt heavy. And I'm trying to juggle all these balls, you know, and and I was just dropping them. I couldn't handle it all, and and that causes obviously anxiety to grow. And I couldn't really rest, you know, or get quality rest. And I started to feel constantly overwhelmed and burdened, and I was just in this perpetual state of exhaustion. It was pretty dry and hopeless. And I got to this point that I was working on this extra project that was separated, you know, in addition to work and family and personal lives and personal responsibilities and all of that. And I'm trying to juggle it all. And then in the middle of me feeling super overwhelmed, my my little son comes and he's like, mom, um, I think we forgot to do laundry. I don't have any underwear. And then my other son comes and he says, Mom, I went to get milk, but there's no milk in the fridge because I hadn't gone grocery shopping. And at that point, you know, I'm going, ah, everything is out of control. And I'm I'm past my limits. The chaos was taking over my house, the environment, my mind. And when I thought that I couldn't, handle any further further we got this uh phone call from very good friends of ours sharing that their 13 year old son had been diagnosed with cancer i couldn't take it anymore life was just so heavy it was too much there was absolutely no peace to be found. I was drained. I was dry. I felt so empty and there was nothing left in me. I actually felt at that moment like like a hamster in the hamster wheel, just running as fast as I could. And yet I'm not getting anywhere only to be ever more tired and hopelessly exhausted and never moving forward. In addition to this chaos of feeling so overwhelmed, if I'm honest with you, I was catching myself just being very impatient with my kids and maybe short or absent with my husband and my friends. And I started to feel like, gosh, I'm really struggling with my relationships on top of being exhausted. What's, what's going on? And I came across this quote from Kerry Newhoff where he said, you are the most kind when you have the most margin. And I thought, margin? What's margin? It continued, the first thing to go when you're rushed is kindness. Busyness makes you impatient and ungracious. You're rarely kind when you're in a hurry. My chaotic life was affecting me, my health, the health of my relationships, and the people that I love. At that point, I realized this is just not sustainable. This has to stop. This cannot go on. I need a massive refueling to happen here. I need to change the course of direction because I see where I'm headed and I don't like it. I don't want to get there. I need a big intervention. And my husband, Daniel, he was in very much in the same spot and we needed something to interrupt our spinning in circles and say, enough. So, I was desperately craving for peace. I needed peace. I needed to exhale. And we decided at that point to just go to the mountains for a night away. It was actually, it was going to be his birthday. So I thought this is the perfect gift for him, (laughs) for us. We desperately needed a Sabbath, and that hadn't happened in a long time. So we went to the mountains, we silenced our phones, we slept, which is rare, and we just wanted that day to do nothing. 
we sat down. And I remember looking at Daniel in this particular moment, and he was just sitting there and looking at the mountains and just taking it all in. And, and meanwhile, I was agitated in the background because you can't slow that down that quickly. And, you know, I was just thinking what's next and the places that I wanted to go and the hike that we wanted to do and the lake that we wanted to visit and blah, 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 blah. And while I was so concerned about missing out on all these other things, I realized that I was missing out on a very big one, which was that very moment. While I was worried about missing out on all the things out there, I was missing out on the present, on the, on the very thing that I was in the middle of. I was in it and I was missing it. So I sat down too. I pulled the chair and we sat down together in silence. And, you know, the practice of being present is something that I had heard a lot about. I can tell you all the theory about it. But at that moment, I realized how terribly I needed it and how rarely I had experienced it in a good quality way, you know. And we were sitting there looking at the mountains. And after a while, uh, we started talking about just how, on- how wonderful life was and how great our kids are. And, you know, despite all the challenges, we started thinking about all the good things that are going on. Uh, in our lives. And our eyes turned from thinking about all the things that we don't have, and we focused on the things that we do have. We started talking about the goodness of God in our lives. And in that moment, the presence of God was just so tangible. We had this super true and genuine expression of of worship and gratitude in our hearts. And we entered this place of complete peace. See, being present in that moment took our hearts to a place of being grateful. And being uh, grateful took our hearts to a place of peace and fullness, and worship, and joy. And the crazy thing is, is that life was still all the same, but the burden didn't feel so heavy anymore. We were able to exhale. That getaway was such a holy experience. But I knew that we were going back home and little trips like that would not be happening in our near future. It wouldn't happen in a long time, I guarantee. And so I came back home with that mission to prolong that state of peace that we had found and replicate that reality into my daily and weekly rhythm. I wanted to sustain that experience. See, because slowing down allowed me to experience this thing that we often just hear about. Because if we're honest, we're not experiencing this all that often because peace, like true peace, kind of feels like a unicorn. You know, they kind of just hope it exists and somebody can find it somewhere. But I felt like I found it, and I don't want to ever let this go. I became a hunter of peace. I want to live in this habitat. I want to seek these sacred places of wholeness. And where this place where where all the chaos is silenced, and where peace, that peace, true peace that Jesus intended for us is tangible. And that is biblical peace. 
peace is not just a place of rest, you know, uh, or how the world understands peace as the lack of conflict. That's not the full picture what, of what peace is. The word peace in the Old Testament is shalom. And you may have heard about it, but the shalom uh, refers to things being complete and whole. And peace ultimately is experiencing this, this inward sense of being whole and complete. Life is complex, but, but peace is when uh, things are aligned and not broken. To make shalom is to be restored to wholeness. It goes back all the way to Genesis 1. That's the very first thing that God did in the very beginning. God brings uh, order to chaos. It's the first thing God does. Order to chaos. He separates the waters. He separates heaven and earth. And he looks at what he had created there. And he says, this is good. He created a place of shalom. Everything was beautiful and loving and right and free and whole in the garden. It was perfect. That was the state of the garden. In the garden, there was no strife or hurry or hustle. There is this comfortable place where things are getting done, but there's also health and relationship and rest. There's Sabbath in the garden. There's a healthy rhythm. And Adam and Eve were at peace with God and with all that he had created. <clears throat> all their needs were supplied. They didn't suffer hunger or disease or pain of any, or of any kind. And more importantly, they had this beautiful, thriving, intimate relationship with their creator. If any people ever experienced shalom, that was Adam and Eve. The condition of peace existed in the garden. But unfortunately, they disobeyed God. And then brokenness and chaos entered the world. Shalom was lost. But see, we were created for that place of shalom and completeness. But instead, we're in this place of brokenness and chaos. God's heart is to restore shalom. The world is craving, we are craving to experience this shalom again, this place that we're created for. <clears throat> So as I've been having all these conversations in these past few months and processing all of this about peace with my friends, uh, one of my friends shared this picture with me that I thought it was very helpful. He said, uh, imagine a jar of, of water with dirt, like dirty water. And I actually have one here, so you don't need to imagine. You can just look at it. <laughs> um. I'm going to shake it, but before I shake it, just look at it first, okay? You see the water and you see the dirt down here. So if you shake it up, oh gosh, look at that. <clears throat> it's super dirty and disgusting and foggy. But if you let it sit for long enough, the dirt sits in the bottom and the water is clear just like you saw 10 seconds ago. And oh my gosh, like this visual of the chaos and the peace is just too beautiful to me. I am in love with this bottle and because the shaking of this bottle reminds me of the hurry, like the hurricane and the chaos and the hustle. Uh, when when things get, they, they get messy and you can't see things right. When, when you're in this place of chaos, not only do you feel overwhelmed and burdened, but also it's things are not clear. It, it's You're unsettled and 
good things look bad and bad things look good and, and bad decisions are made. It's not a good place. But if you let it sit, the dirt will settle and peace will be restored and things will get clear again and whole. And I started thinking, gosh, it, it helps me to feel so encouraged when I feel like the world is shaking me up again because you can always sit the bottle down and peace can be restored. There's peace always to be found. And I feel like um, I'm, I'm trying to walk away from this reality and this, this environment of chaos. But I, I honestly feel like I'm on this bridge. You know, there's this place I want to arrive and I'm on, on the bridge to get there. And, and it's the transitional place that, that it's here, but not yet, but I'm hunting it and I'm moving forward toward it. And I would love your company joining me in this bridge of pursuit. Now, I wanted this bottle of dirt uh, on my desk because I needed this reminder. I need to be a reminder of this reality daily. So, you know, I got this bottle, I got the water, I got the dirt, all the ingredients, and I put it in, and then I shook it. But the, the water got so muddy, like what you see right now, that I thought, oh, no, bummer. Um, the, the experiment didn't work. My proportions were clearly not good because there, there's too much dirt and the water will just, this will be dirty forever. Because honestly, I was imagining more like a snow globe, you know, and it's like you shake it and then in 10 seconds, ah, everything falls down and it's peaceful and beautiful and, and clear. But, but that didn't happen to this bottle. So, you know, I left my failed experiment in my office and I went home for the weekend. And then a few days later when I came back, I got to my office and I saw that bottle sitting there that was looking, you know, brown like this a couple of days before. And suddenly it, I realized that the bottle was clear. It was like, seriously, it was like a miracle. Oh my gosh, how did that bottle get, how did the water get so clear? It was like hopelessly muddy water and it was all clean. So it turns out this experience was way better than I expected because cultivating peace takes time. It's not a microwave experience. It's not instantaneously produced. It's something to be practiced. It's something to be cultivated. And it's also hopeful to me because if this hopeless bottle, after a couple of days, can look clear like what you saw a couple minutes ago, that means there's hope for everyone. Anyone can experience peace. If you sit long enough, that's the challenge. And practicing the ways of Jesus pursuing him and entering his environment of peace. And that's the thing about peace, because honestly, I'm not all into, you know, I'm not trying to turn into a monk, slowing down. It's not about being abnormally calm. It's not about that. It's about embracing Jesus' culture. Peace is the environment of God's kingdom. Peace is Jesus's reality. And, you know, we mostly talk about the words of Jesus and the things that he said, but we don't often talk about the pace of Jesus and his vibe and what he carried around. You know, the values when he would enter a room, we are emotional and spiritual conduits, and we can create an atmosphere wherever we go. 
I'm sure you know what I'm talking about because you have experienced this when you're somewhere and somebody enters the room and you can feel it, the tension or the stress or the chaos or the sadness or the joy or the peace. Or We carry it around. We set the temperature of a room. And honestly, I wish this wasn't true because my craziness wouldn't affect people around me as much. But that's on the flip side, the blessing of when you do experience things and the fruits of Jesus in you, you can embody that peace and carry it around wherever you go like Jesus. Passing out peace and being conduits of shalom and creating that kind of environment around you, like Jesus, like his vibe, like his values and his culture. As followers of Jesus, we want to cultivate and practice these things. And peace will not only bless you and your personal growth, but also greatly impacts the world around you. We don't need rest from the world. We need rest for the world. We are craving it, but the world is craving peace just as much. And we can be conduits of it and carry it around and embody it. But Jesus understands that this is not an easy task. We know this is much easier said than done. And Jesus doesn't expect that we do this on our own because we can't. And that's why when he saw our exhaustion, when he was here and he saw our burdens, he said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He will give rest to your soul. He will give it. We will find rest in Him. His burden is light. His, not ours. And we exchange our heavy burdens for His rest. And He takes this load of chaos and He provides to us a place of shalom in exchange. That's why prophet Isaiah, when announcing the coming of the Messiah, he proclaims, For to us a child is born, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Shalom. That was the original word in this verse. He is the one who came to restore us to wholeness, to restore all that was broken. And to the greatness of His Shalom, there will be no end. His Peace. That's also why when Jesus was born, born it was announced uh, as the arrival of peace. That's what the angels proclaimed in Luke 2. They said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth. There's glory in heaven because peace came to earth. Shalom has come. Jesus is born. The reign of God 
has arrived. It's the culmination of God's promises that we would be made whole again through Jesus. The reality of heaven came crushing down, crashing down on earth. That habitat that we were created for was being restored again because the Prince of Shalom has come. The world is looking for this promise of the garden that we never knew, the shalom that we never knew. We live our lives longing for that place of wholeness and peace is going back home is returning to that place and entering this reality of heaven. I was praying the other day and uh, praying through the Lord's Prayer, and I was praying for, for, for some very difficult situations that you are going through, requests here at the church, and, and my heart was burdened for the things that people were experiencing and facing right now. And it was very encouraging to me to remember that Jesus taught us to pray, may your kingdom come here on earth. May your kingdom, we want to see here on earth, the reality of heaven. He didn't teach us to say, please desperately take us away from this earth. Please take us from this crazy world, Jesus. It wasn't about removing us from the world. We're still here, but we invite this reality of his kingdom to come here and rule here. That means experiencing uh, wholeness and peace doesn't require for us to, to eliminate what's going on around us or even fix it we can find this place of refuge and return home and find these sacred moments here on earth. We don't need to flee anywhere else. We can enter this habitat of peace and experience peace and embody peace. I went to Brazil a couple of months, a few months ago uh, during summer to visit my family and friends. And I went to my friend's house. She had just moved to this new place that I hadn't been to yet. It had been a few years since the last time that I went. And we were looking around, you know, it's this beautiful property. We we're originally from a big city, but she moved to a more rural area outside the city. It's actually very near uh, a local jungle that we have there. It's just this this beautiful place, you know, very green and amazing. So we're we're walking around her house, and and then I see this this beautiful tree, and it, it's an incredible tree. It's like super tall, like a three four feet tall. Uh, I'm sorry, not three four feet, three four stories tall, like a big building. And, and it was covered in bright pink flowers. And there's a picture for you to see here. And it was just this massive, vi vibrant, tall tree. And it steals the attention of anybody that is around. Like that's, that's what you look at because it's a gorgeous tree and it's lively and huge. It's a, it's a masterpiece. It's gorgeous. So I told my friend, like, oh, my goodness. This tree is amazing. What what tree is this? Wow, the the colors and the thick bushes of flowers, they're, they're just incredible. And she responded, Don't you see? It's not the tree. Come closer. And so we walked near the tree. <clears throat> and the tree is actually completely dry and dead but this vine grew around it and it's just so big and so strong that it's somehow woven the tree together and all the pieces of this tree and for years it's been holding that that dead tree up and when you look at the tree what you actually see is the vine 
The tree should have fallen down a long time ago, but it's up. And not only is it standing, but it's vibrant and it shines and it looks beautiful and lively. My boys went on to kick the soccer ball around, but I stayed in front of that tree. It was a holy moment. I was just looking at that tree and that vine around it. And I said, oh, tree, I see you. You are not alone. I am also so painfully dry and unable to stand on my own. I too have a vine that holds me up that has woven me together and gathered my pieces and brought wholeness to my brokenness that gives me life, that carries my burdens and restores my vibrancy, that make things that makes thing, things right and beautiful again. This vine of shalom. In John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The contrast here is so clear. In the world, there's chaos and trouble. But in Jesus there is peace. In Jesus, we have peace. In Him, in Him, just like that tree. The burden is heavy, but the Savior is born. Chaos keeps pulling us like a magnet, but heavenly peace is here. Brokenness is all around, but shalom has come to earth in that holy night things were made whole again silent night points to this reality that the world is dying for that you and i are craving a place of calm and rest a holy place where there is wholeness and safety and sleep it's good that silent night feels like an interruption because as a society, we need an intervention. We need something big enough to slow us down and to almost literally force us to pause and to breathe in and breathe out. Just like a silent night in an upbeat Christmas playlist. Looking at the words of this carol, we need a silent night that silences the chaos of this world. We need a holy night where we're reminded that shalom is at hand. The Savior has been born and in Him we have peace and wholeness. All is calm because in Him our burdens are released. All is bright because the fogginess is settled and we can see things clearly again. We remember the announcements of the angels uh, to the shepherds saying, Hallelujah, the Savior is born, the one who rescues us from our chaos and brokenness. There's radiant, radiant beams from God's holy face because heaven is crashing into earth the fullness of his promise has arrived and we can breathe out and sleep in heavenly peace we can experience peace receive peace embody peace and carry peace and proclaim peace let silent night be the cry of our hearts. Let's pray.
Jesus, we so desperately need you and your peace. We want to take a moment to breathe out in your presence and release our burdens to you. and enter your environment of shalom where things are right and complete and whole. Jesus, thank you for being the vine that holds us up. Without you, we got nothing. We're dry and empty and falling apart. But you hold us together. And in you, we want to be, find, we want to be found in you. Because in you, we have peace. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Jesus, for stepping into our chaos to bring your peace to the earth. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So it is our time to talk about the sermon and typically the thing that happens is, um, is people come together and we talk about the things that the, inspired, uh, that the sermon inspired. And that probably is going to happen. But could, could for the time being, it be like the opposite of that? Because the behind the scenes of the place the sermon came from, the idea of peace came up and you had been like super adamant. Can I please do the sermon on peace? <laughs> and you were like, I have to do this. I've been on this journey. I've been. Um, so could you tell us the behind the scenes Be journey uh -huh. that brought you to say, can I do this sermon, please? Yeah. Well, obviously the, the story that I shared, it truly, it has been my pursuit in these past few months. Uh, but then when we were talking about the Advent series and we had the four themes and the teaching team were like talking about it, I was given some other other theme and I talked to you and I said, KJ, I like the thing that is going on in my life right now is peace mm -hmm. and I have to talk about it. And and we, we talk about it too, that it's different when you have to talk about something no when you have to say something versus you have th something to say right and that's mm, how that's really i was good. feeling like yeah i had whether i had this opportunity or not this is the conversation that i'm having with everybody right now yeah this is because I have to say it because yeah. it's on my skin. It's, yeah. you know, all the stories like the everybody has seen my bottle and everybody has, you know, I, that's what I'm living right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what a huge amount of the beauty of this message is that it is embodied. You know, it is, it is, it's more than even just lived out. It's like, this is a, and I hope you guys receive this as this, but like it's a message in progress, you know? And it's like in this point in time, in this point in Mariana's history, this is where I'm at. This right. is the, these are the things I've come to, found, to find. This message would have been radically different three months ago. Oh, yeah. Right? You couldn't oh. give the same message. Uh-huh. How would it have been different three months ago? <laughs> Y'all, and, and I think that 100%. You guys and, know. <laughs> and the fact that... Uh, that it isn't just something that you come into and you say, I have it. I, I found right. peace. It, it is something that I think that that throughout your sermon, the thing you do is 
you are on this like pursuit of peace, this practice yeah. of peace to say I've I've been on this journey since September or, or right. August or right. and mm. are there things uh, that are that are part of the Christian faith that people feel so passionately about mm-hmm. as far as their heart goes that they're practicing something day after day after day after day in pursuit of something mm-hmm. because so if they don't, the alternative is terrible. Um, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking like to be able to give this sermon and have integrity, the place you have to be in is a place of peace. <laughs> yeah. But every time you give a sermon or I give a sermon, the feeling is utter chaos. <laughs> How did doing a sermon on peace feel to oh you? Oh my gosh. I have to, to share another behind the scenes story because, you know, these guys, they're my family and they are part of this journey and they, they have been hearing all of this. So this is no news for them. But... When I was working on this message and I said, oh my gosh, there's just so much because I, I could have, you know, there, there were five times more of, of things and stories and scriptures and things that I wanted to say. And, and I said, I feel like... That, <laughs> <laughs> KJ's face well, is like, oh exactly. man, really? <laughs> and I told KJ, I said, I feel like I have 20,000 pieces of a puzzle but I'm trying to build a 500-piece puzzle, and I have to decide which pieces go in the puzzle right. and then build it. Which and, feels like chaos, right? And, exactly. <laughs> He's like, this sermon is about peace. Yeah. You know what your sermon is? Throw all the pieces on the floor, and the empty table is your sermon. <laughs> wow. I know. So KJ has been this very crucial mm. element of teaching me about mm. peace and processing all of this. He is he is the owner of the bottle analogy. He's the one who, as we were processing this. But yes, so a hundred percent. I didn't. I'm not trying to pretend. I'm not. Right. You know, let's pretend to be. No, yeah. I'm in pursuit of this thing that is incredible and that is possible and that we can have it, you know, and, but I'm still in the world, you know? So that's why I have the bottle because it's like, yeah, things are shaking the bottle all the time, but I want to go back to the place of, you know? Yeah. I think it's cool to, um, to be able to experience this journey, I think, because then there's something to compare it to, uh, compared to simply just saying, oh, that's who she is. And that's just who she is. Compared to, yeah, but here's who she is, too. Like, she is, she has a very peaceful heart. So if she has the opportunity to be, if she's in pursuit, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, this is, let you in on a little conversation that we had just before you filmed uh, the message, and it was the idea that, like this, you said your words were, "This is who I'm becoming," yeah. and KJ corrected you and said, "No, Mariana, this is who you've always been, right? Mm. This is who you are, you know." And um, that's why that is why for you in that um, moment where you went on this hike and climbed this mountain, like you didn't necessarily have to stop. I mean, you. Some a lot of people would just go that look at that man that's beautiful and keep going, but you had the presence and the awareness to say no. I'm going to stop. I see what my husband's doing. I'm going to stop and be aware of this and be present in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that comes out of a deep sense of who you are. You know. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think you know. Obviously, I, I just got to be honest, I feel like it's a whole lot of me here. But I think the value is when I talk to people, yeah. everybody's experiencing the same thing, yeah. you know? So I almost feel like I unapologetically will share this 
because this is a lot of people's stories. Uh, so just, just because, you know, you're talking about what I did and what happened to me, but everybody you talk to, it's like, yeah. yeah. I think that's bearing the testimony of, a go- of the gospel. It's telling your personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, you have to draw, it's, it isn't just pointing at something that happened to somebody else. It's, sure. it's here's yeah. my personal testimony, yeah. and there is a gospel of peace. And that's um, something that's very cool about the Advent, like, package is there's a gospel of peace there's a gospel of hope there's a gospel of love a gospel of joy joy. it's behold you know like there's good news news that is at hand and it's peace behold good news of joy behold and it's like this proclaiming and um the for the gospel of peace to be presented and proclaimed from a a posture of hope, you know, for, for all of those who are experiencing chaos, there's yeah. good news. Yeah. God at the beginning hovers kind of over the chaos and takes a survey and begins yeah. like, and he breathes peace, peace, mm-hmm. peace. You know, there's... Yeah, like, great job. Yeah. Yeah. I think <clears throat> it, it, there's there's two, just, just two elements about peace that I've been wrestling with, which is this one, which is the opposite of, of chaos and uh, something to be pursued and, and practiced. And then there's this element that, we're in Jesus. It, it's like one of those mysteries of the gospel that it seems contradicting, but it isn't. Mm. Like, if in Jesus, you know, like the tree, he's He's holding me. But at the same time, it's something that I'm still pursuing. You know, it's a yeah. fruit that I need to yeah. be rooted in him to produce. So I think that's another idea that I, I'm in the middle of, of processing and... Mm. You know, I want to experience the reality that, yes, I'm pursuing peace, but peace is here. Peace is that like makes it, sense? Yeah. Yep, for sure. I also have been thinking as a, a like, hand-holding experience that, that chaos embodies things that, that are untrue and Peace mm, is truth. That's yeah. good. Um, and um, and I'm, I'm kind of like sitting from a p- posture of that, that there are often times I feel like peace is like the absence of things. Uh, it's the like I'm sitting down like, oh, I don't have to do anything. I'm at right. peace. Yeah. But the idea that peace is active. Yeah. Peace is coming. There's a prince of peace. And there's like this, the action of peace. And I've been having a bunch of fun in the idea that I bring peace by telling the truth. I have encountered people in chaos because the things they're embodying understanding are just simply untrue. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if I can bring truth, then I bring peace. Peace. Mm-hmm. How does that play into the, the idea of the tree and the vine and the bottle and the sand and you? Whoa. Do you have anything by chance to say, <laughs> Michael, while I gather my thoughts? <laughs> no, I think it's um, I think it's accurate. And I, I I actually experienced that with KJ earlier today. I was in a in a state huh. of chaos of not feeling like I had clarity. And to have somebody, and I also think there's something to relationship too about, mm. like you said, bringing pre- peace. Um, it's relational, like mm. peace is relational. Yeah. And you 
in that, in that scenario, we were going to lunch, you said a few things and you brought truth into that scenario hmm. and helped me. Um, I was in the middle of that bottle, like, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of helped me pull out and say, oh, okay, I can see the chaos of that bottle, you hmm. know? And getting outside of the bottle even, and I know that doesn't fit your analogy particularly. No, go for but it. But like getting outside <laughs> of that and saying, oh, yeah. I, I can see, actually yeah. I can see the chaos that that bottle is. Uh-huh. And now my friend is bringing peace and showing me, hey, giving me a few nuggets of truth yeah. in, that, in that situation. Yeah, I, I really like what you're saying. I need, I need to digest that. I think it recognizing the chaos is a huge first step. Yeah, so what you're saying, good. I see the lies, I see the the confusion, and I bring truth. I think when you recognize what is causing yeah. the chaos and the brokenness and things are falling apart, and I think that's probably why I love the bottle so much. Because anytime that something happens... <laughs> I, I, yeah, you have the image. It, it, I'm pointing. I don't know if the camera is getting. We got it, the bottle right here. It's on the floor. <laughs> Let's put it right here. It's just a reminder, yeah. you know. Like, okay, okay, I see what's happening. You know, there's the yeah. hurricane. Uh, identifying it is so yeah. helpful. Yeah, yeah. So as far as you know, after hearing this sermon, thinking about the gospel of peace, a personal testimony, um, how can people go and participate as far as this gospel of peace goes? How do they accept it, embody it, and then how can they go out and share the carol of peace? Like how... Do you know what I mean? Because it's a yeah. gift yeah. to be able to bring peace to people. Yeah, yeah. That, that are, you know. I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the big picture of the gospel and the the big story yeah. of God. You know, and I think <laughs> if you've been to a Christian long enough or been to church long enough, I think we incredibly shrink it down so often to to littler you know tiny capsules of what the gospel is like yeah. you know there's forgiveness and jesus like fixed that absolutely i'm not mi- <laughs> yeah. minimizing or saying it's wrong but i'm my point here is there's this big picture of the story that god is writing yeah. and i think to me um understanding the heart of God from the beginning and this huge bigger picture heart of God in sending Jesus and what Jesus is doing, what Jesus is restoring. I think that makes the whole difference to me in how I approach, you know, my own faith. Um, yeah, my, my, my relationship with Jesus and, I love that. And I'm going to cut you off here just a bit because I just got kind of inspired. Because the thing that you're doing is you're painting this expansive gospel, this expansive theology, this expansive conversation of God. And then I I started to think, like, so, so I had been taught how to share the gospel as quick as possible. Right. So if I'm in a c- yeah. coffee shop yeah. and someone says, tell me the gospel, I had to be able to pull out a piece of paper right. and, and in t- t- two minutes. minutes share the gospel. But I have a speech impediment, so it's five. And so, <laughs> and it's like, how do I do it as quick as possible? Yeah. And during the time that you had been talking, I thought, I can't tell a the gospel no. story in five minutes. I'm not sure I could do it in five hours. No. I'm not sure I could do it in five days. Mm-hmm. And man, I hope I couldn't do it in five years. years. And then, like, <laughs> I, and then it's just like I want a gospel that is expansive yeah. and it's telling the story to me. Mm-hmm. And and peace is the beginning and the hope of the journey that is expansive. Yeah, that holds us and t- takes us through the heart of God. 
Yeah. And how do you explain the heart of God on a piece of paper in a coffee shop? So no, thank yeah. you. Yeah, and that journey of, of going through that, you know, process is a constant process of saying, yes, and then there's this, yes. You know, like it's right. this revelatory process of discovering. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can honestly say that I, I, I get new perspectives on the gospel all the time, right? Right, Like exactly. there's new connections. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. For sure. Uh, Mariana, thank you so much mm-hmm. for sharing. This thank was such a gift. Really, feel it feels like a gift, doesn't it? <laughs> like it feels like such a gift. Um, yeah. So thank you, you so much. You did such a great job. Yeah. And friends, thanks for joining in this conversation as well. Thank you.